This is Sean, and you're listening to Cotswolds Radio Book Club. Today on Cotswolds Radio, I am joined once again by my book club friends, Kathy Ellison and Fiona Mountain. And today we're chatting about Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And we're also making some great recommendations of books to read during lockdown. Welcome back, Fiona and Kathy. We thought we were going to be doing this in the studio, didn't we? Huh. We did. We <laughs> certainly did. So we're here today to talk about Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. So, Kathy, you've got the book there handy. How about a quick, quick sort of summary? Oh, oh my goodness, a quick summary. Okay. <laughs> so read the back if you want. <laughs> yeah, so this is a story of a young woman called Kia. I think we pronounce it Kia, it could be Kaya, um, short for Catherine, I think. And um, she is abandoned um, at the age of 10 by her father, um, having been abandoned at six by her mother and grows up alone in the marshes of North Carolina. And so it's a sort of coming of age story, really, of how a young woman can start um, on her own or start with a pretty dysfunctional family and then grow up on her own. And she ends up being very um, intelligent, sensitive, and most importantly, at one with the marsh around her, at one with the countryside and the animals and the birds and the crawdads, which we will we'll talk about later. And it's about her relationship with two young men and how she finds her way in the world. I think that's a reasonable summary. I think that's a fantastic summary. So what did you think of it? What, what were your sort of thought, first feelings about the book? I loved it. And the reason why I loved it in particular is it's very different to a lot of books. So I think most of you know I read a lot. And um, after a little while, when you've read hundreds of books, they do start to blur a little bit. But I think this is a book that actually stands out from the crowd. It's not something similar to anything else. Um, it's not something you could forget easily. So that's the first reason I loved it, because it's sort of unique. Um, and the second reason is, is I thought the voice, her voice, was just beautiful. It isn't written in the first person it's written in the third person I prefer first person books but I really understood her and felt I knew her and uh, all around her and I just loved the style of the writing and of course the, the twists and turns um, were very <coughs> excuse me very engaging. Fiona what did you think? I just thought it I mean very much like Kathy I mean it just it does just stand out from the crowd as being something really different and I thought she was a lovely character it's very I mean, it's, it's, it's a real skill to tell the story because she doesn't have much, she's on her own most of the time, she doesn't have much dialogue. So, um, but her character comes across so um, somehow, so without the dialogue and the usual chat that you get to know people through, um, you get a really strong sense of her character and also of the, she's in the swamps in, Car in Carolina and in, in the, uh, is it Carolina or Virginia? Um, North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. Carolina, that's right. And, um, and it's just um, that, the, just the, the description of nature. I mean, nature is obviously a really big part of the story because she learns everything. In a way, nature is her teacher and her mother and her tutor, and she learns everything about life and um, sex life and, and relationships and everything from nature. And it, and and that, the descriptions of of the landscape are just absolutely stunning. I, I felt not actually the the nature part of it. Nature was a character in the book. Yeah, it, it wasn't Definitely. just 
Yeah. It wasn't just descriptions of pretty countryside, was it? It was no, it no, was really... it's just it's a really strong character in it and it's just sort of literally, I mean it is it is like her you know, her tutor and her, she has a, her main relationship with nature, isn't it? Rather than the, than the human being and um I, I just thought it was beautiful, the whole, all of it. Should we talk about the nature of it? I mean, I, I thought the depiction of that countryside and the observation and the the sort of detail in the book was remarkable. But then I read I read the description and she's in fact uh, a natural scientist. She, it was that was her yes, job yes, for many yes, years. Yes, so she, she obviously has phenomenal knowledge and a phenomenal appreciation for the natural world, doesn't she? Which I think I mean I think you can tell actually. Mm. I think that's where it, obviously where it comes from. Just um, stunning. And it was, it was, I thought it was also a bit of a kind of meditation on detail. Um, it, it's that message that we've all kind of got over the last year about slowing down mm. and paying attention to what's going on around you. Mm. And that sort of observation of, of nature was, was absolutely yeah, it's wonderful. Very, it's very sort of dreamlike, isn't it? The way it's, yes. you know, it is it's quite a slow, I mean, it's not a slow read because it's, because it's a really, it's actually a really gripping plot. Um, so it's not a it's, it's not a slow read in that in that way, but it's just very it is very observational and um, and it does make you it, it's very sort of quite soothing in a way, isn't it? Because the, the nature is just so it, you feel like you're there, don't you? In, in the you know, yeah. isolated yeah. swamps. Yeah. I'd also say that I think it would be read very differently by um, a British person like ourselves and an American because the nature in it is very different for us it's not something we've ever lived in probably um you know we don't have marshland here uh, very much um perhaps east anglia is the closest thing to what she describes whereas you know many books we read might describe our own coxwold um countryside but it is so different um and the whole lifestyle is so different with the um the little boats on the swamp and the the actual birds are different and animals are different and i think I, certainly I did a lot of Googling whilst I was reading the book to look at the map of where she was and understand a little bit more about what it's really like and look at some visuals of what, for example, a palmetto is, uh, which is a short palm tree. Um, and it's, so it's something that actually is new to us. I've certainly travelled a lot in the States, but I've never been to North Carolina, actually. I've missed that bit out. I, so I, I have, actually. Yeah. So it was, it was lovely to kind of... We weren't there for very long, but, well, I remember that coastline being really, yeah. really lovely, yeah. actually. I, I, I've been... Yes, I've been to that part of the world as well, too. I, did, I don't remember it being quite so um, primeval, really, isn't it, some of the way it's described sometimes? Well, I do wonder whether that's very much of its time, though. I think it's quite important, the era in which the book yeah. was set because it starts to talk about a lot of that land being drained for... the 1950s, isn't it? It's yeah, for development. Um, and it's sort of 50s through to early 70s. Mm, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so I'm sure a lot of that has been kind of turned into condos and things yeah. now. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. And also, I'm, so I'm sure you'll come to this later, but the, the 50s and 60s and 70s obviously means that the culture between the community... Is very different as well and the way they treat her obviously yeah. you could not have written this story today we would not treat her like this and possibly she, it couldn't it couldn't happen today yeah that was that was my observation as well I thought I thought the timing is really important because it's kind of yeah. the yeah. It, it's a real it was a real turning point in the world wasn't it that kind of mm. era it's sort of post-war through to the early 70s and 
and yeah. exactly as you say Cathy there was a kind of you know if you think about the political context of what was going on as well civil rights movement and all of those kind of things that's not touched upon in the book but it's going on in the background mm. and certainly her relationship with the black family and the black characters I think is beautifully written mm. and I think mm. they're some of my favorite characters yeah and they look after her don't they far better than than um the locals so um jumping or how are we gonna yeah let's um, talk about that let's talk about the characters let's talk about some of our favorite characters then so so exactly that she says abandoned child so who is it that actually helps her um, you know who who the I mean I think the most important character that saves her is obviously Tate and there's the dynamic between the two men that she falls in love with Tate and Chase um, and obviously very very different men but from the same community um, and I think if I had to have a favorite character apart from Jumping's wife I think um, is is Tate I mean he's beautiful he's a wonderful man um, mm. and there's some such poignant scenes when he he decides not to go back to her um, in the middle of the book. Um, you know, that was just so sad. Um, mm. But he's just such a wonderful character, beautifully written, and he's so kind to her. So he, she finds him, she meets him because he's a similar age to her, I think, or maybe a little he's bit older. a little older. bit older, yeah. And he's out fishing and she sees him and he helps her home because she's lost. And I can't remember exactly how old she is at this point, but possibly about 12. Um, and and it's that whole the whole sweet dynamic of he sort of it's almost like he's coaxing a wild animal to become a friend isn't he because he kind of leaves her the little presence of the Mm. of the feathers that she's collecting um and all the this sort of precious collection of of natural things Mm. and it's that sort of He's just sort of there almost like as a, as a sort of guardian angel in a way, isn't he? He sort of turns up when she needs him and he's just sort of there um, in the background almost looking out for her. Well, and he's so important in terms of... Because literacy is the sort of key turning point for her, I think, as a character as well in terms of her development, her ability to, to read and, and self-educate as a result is, is totally down to him. Yeah. yeah, and she seems to have never gone to school because her mother left when she was six mm. and then slowly, one by one, her brothers. Um, she never went to school at all, even as a small child, did she? Uh, well, I, I remember that there's a, there's a critical part of the plot, actually, because there's one of the characters in it comes up later and that's the lady who tries to get her to go to school and she manages yeah. the one day at school and the kids are so that's mean right. her, she refuses to go back. And of course, her dad's completely useless and doesn't make her go. But it's the truant officer. And the truant officer comes back again right at the end of the book uh, as having, although she went out to to try and get her to come to school, she was quite empathetic towards her as well. Well, Yeah. And and, and also the scenes where people are coming down their drive. You know, so her mother leaves up that drive, mm. up that what isn't a drive, it's a track, sorry. And the father leaves up that track and Jody leaves up the track and the truant officer comes down the track. Mm. I think that very well described. It's like this gap between her world and the and the, mm. the rest of the world. Um, but you're right, but she basically doesn't have any formal schooling at all. And Tate teaches her to read very slowly. Um, I mean, we might talk later on about any flaws in the book, but it did feel to myself, one of the flaws possibly was how easy would it have been to learn to read on your own at the age of 12 or 13, 14? I guess that's the critical thing about him teaching her and him 
being patient with her because it does talk about her struggling with it for quite a while but him being quite determined and sort of persevering with her to, to make it happen and as you say it is crucial because she is a literary woman and she makes her money by writing books yeah I mean, it's critical to the plot isn't it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the bit about the book is beautiful, isn't it? Because that's how, that's her way that's her way out, isn't it? And that's how, um, you know, she sort of managed to, 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 to sort of um, make her way in the world um, and support herself. And, and the, the way that they're described is so beautiful. You almost, I almost wanted to see the books, someone make her books into actual real books because they sound yes. so beautiful, don't they? And, um, I wondered whether they were based on real books. I mean, I, I didn't actually like, Google. They sound like they are, don't they? I mean, they do sound like they are. Um, well, I, I, I've got this name in my head that, that's just popped in when you're saying that. Is it Audubon, who is much... Yes, I've got that book, actually. ...older, but it was that style of book that I was thinking of. Yeah, should we explain what these books are? Yeah. Uh, they're not novels, of course. Yeah, definitely. Cathy, if you've got it, can you... I have. So you explain what they are whilst I, whilst I find it. <laughs> well, I, I don't remember very... I, I, I recall a book of birds and paintings of birds, and they are in America, I think. But I don't know whether there were more... Whether it was more wildlife in general or as if it's, if it's just birds. But it was, it's much older than... Yeah, but I meant what she actually, what Kia actually does. Oh, what Kia does, of course. Yeah, so Kia's books are exactly that. They're based on her observations of nature but she also reads she she effectively teaches herself a, a biology degree doesn't she mm. by reading all the literature that that Tate recommends to her so they're they're quite acutely scientific books as well as beautiful paintings yeah, she's, obviously, so, yeah, I mean, she's obviously a brilliant artist but she's also um she's got an amazing retention of information hasn't she and her scientific knowledge is is also what shines through from it, which I guess is from, interestingly, from her, from the author who's got... Yeah, from Delia Owens' background, yeah. It's interesting one, because it's a sort of, you said it's how she makes her way in the world, but she doesn't really make her way in the world, does no. she? No, no she <laughs> just has a way of supporting herself, and, and yeah. no, she just sort of doesn't want to leave her where she is, does she? She wants to sort of carry on yeah. with her life as it is, because she's very... Well, indeed, she does always stay there, doesn't she? yeah. yeah. Because she doesn't need a huge income, she lives so modestly that she doesn't. Yeah. She just needs gas for her boat and yeah. to be able to buy some food. Yeah, absolutely. But she draws all the wildlife, doesn't she? And she mm. studies them. And she almost has, as you say, a biology degree. She almost has a little lab in her shack, which she eventually builds up a bit. And so she's the only one who's actually studied these marsh um, creatures and these marsh flowers and plants and how they survive. And so, and she draws them, isn't it? So really she's an artist as much as a, a, an author as such. And so they're, they're um, natural history books. Um, I can't find my, my book, by the way. Um, and I think it's important that she posts things off and posts things back. And obviously it would be a very different experience today using the internet. Um, but it's also important to the plot because she has to leave at one point to see her publisher in, in Charlotte, the local town, local city, sorry, is it Charlotte? Yes. Um, and, uh, and that's important to the plot as well. She finally um, um, builds courage to go on a bus and actually take part in the modern, modern world, which she hasn't done up to that point. Yeah, and that's a, that's a sort of critical, critical plot point. What did you think about Chase? Well, he's very, com he's very complex, isn't he? Because I, I don't know whether I like him or I don't like him, actually. He's, 
I think, I think yes, I didn't, I didn't entirely trust him, I don't think. No, you didn't, you're not supposed to like him. So he's the big, I imagine him blonde, um, sportsman. All-American basketball player. Yeah. yeah. With he's one the of those stereotypical, jack- what is it, uh, quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's got all these girls around him and, you know, he's a show-off and he's good-looking. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's so different to her world, it's untrue. And I can't imagine why she likes him, why she would want him. I can see why he wants her. But I'd wanted to really dislike him. But there's something, he, they didn't, he, she didn't write him evil enough in many ways. No. I'm not sure he served his fate in many ways because he was just a bit callous, but he wasn't really that nasty. I would have imagined him a bit nastier. I mean, he's not, he's, he's, in a way, he's, yeah, he, you, he, you can't hate him like you sort of think you should, can you? That's the thing. Um, and he's, he's very, I think he's very, he's a very clever, clever, cleverly drawn character because you, as you say, you want to hate him, but you sort of don't. Completely. And the fact she had to have two men uh, sort of vying for Kaya's affections, mm. then um, obviously they are very different, the two men, and that's how they could make it different. He's a bit mm. he's a bit of a cliche, I found, whereas Tate, I think, was a bit more complex to me. Yeah. I don't understand why she goes with Chase, I really don't. And he offers to marry her, doesn't he? He does at one point, yeah. Well, um, he does, yeah. but then she finds him with somebody else. So... Yes. He he's obviously very conflicted about it because he's obviously very. I think it's more than just a kind of. You think initially that it's about it's about kind of just scoring points and and being seen to be be doing it, but he he clearly does get a bit more involved with her than than he thinks, but that he thinks he was going to. But then he's still got all the other girls on the side, and he conforms in the end to kind of the social pressures, doesn't he? Yes, exactly. I mean, in the in the sixties, mid sixties, we're talking mid to late sixties. Mm. His mother needed him to marry one of the local Carolina families. You know, it's mm. it's still got that tradition of the past. But I, I think um, obviously the book starts actually uh, right uh, when he dies. So you know, it's, it's a newspaper article, isn't it? The very yeah. opening scene and um, starts in sixty nine. And on the morning of the thirtieth of October, the body of Chase Andrews lay in the swamp which would have absorbed it silently, routinely, hiding it for good. Um, that's how it starts. So um, so we, we know the side plot, as it were, or maybe it's the main plot, I don't know which you think, right from the start. Yes. So what do we think about the structure of the book? Because it jumps back and forwards in time quite a lot, doesn't it? I love books like this. They're my, my book club will know that I really enjoy books that have got two different time zones. I like okay. it that they tell you where we are, because some books don't. And they 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 actually don't tell you, but this does. This starts each chapter with fifty two or sixty nine, um, or later. Um, and I enjoy it because it builds the plot slowly. Um, there's a number of TV shows currently at the moment are using the same method, and I think it's a, a great way to structure a book because you slowly learn both halves of the life. But as an author, Fiona, what what do you think of that sort of structure? Um, I, I, no, I mean it's, it's a nightmare. I mean, I've been, I've just my. But that is means writing is exactly that structure, and it's a nightmare. To, it's a nightmare to write it, um, but because you just get, I'm, I get confused about which which space I'm in. But I, I, but I agree with you. I think it's a, I think it's a lovely way to um, uh, reveal to, to add because you, you're adding layers and layers and layers, aren't you, onto the complexity of the story rather than just doing a linear timeline. And then you th- there's a, usually they come together at the end, and there's a revelation, and the, you, it all sort of fits into place like a wonderful puzzle um and so yeah I, I love it too I, I think I think this one works really well and I do I did like the fact that you were told 
where you were so you didn't have to guess where you were and I, yeah, I think it worked brilliantly especially with the, with the story of you, know, you start off with what's what you know is going to happen so you know he's going to die and then so, you, so you've almost got I mean it's almost I, I think what's lovely about it is it's almost like I mean it's not obviously marketed as a crime novel and the, the cover isn't a crime novel and you wouldn't go and say this is a you know it's not a crime but 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 there is that element to it so it's a it, it has obviously got a crime central you know, central to it, a murder, a death, or um, and you and you're trying to find out who did it and how it happened, and and I think I so I think that I lo- that's what I love. One of the things I loved about it that it's got everything really because it's, it's it's you know it's it's a romance, it's a nature story, it's a wonderful um, literary, beautiful prose, um, and it's also this central sort of um, mystery and twist in it, which is which is brilliant. Okay. Going back to what we're talking about, the going back and forth in time, I've always wanted to ask someone, so I'll ask you. When you write a book like that, when you've got two time zones, do you write it as one story and then as a second story and then you interweave and decide how you're going to mishmash? So you're writing, so one could read it almost as every other chapter. Yeah, well, and actually, yes, because actually, with, with, well, certainly with me, that's what I would have, to, that's what I have to do. So the one that I've ri- just written, I wrote the one timeline first and I knew where the other one was going to go. And then I had, then I wrote that one. Otherwise I, I would have, I would personally would have, I mean, I think it's different for different writers, but I personally would have got completely lost. So I, I think that's the, only way, that's the only way I can do it. But then that, that's because sometimes dual times, obviously this one, it's the same characters, isn't it? In the both timelines, whereas sometimes you also have to, in, in dual timeline books, you have two different characters or two different sets of characters. I think it, it certainly adds a whole different level of challenges to writing it, I think. <laughs> but this is beautifully done. I mean, I, and I never felt, because sometimes, sometimes with dual timelines, there's one timeline that you find more appealing than the other, don't you? That's sometimes where, and, and you just want to skip over the one story to get back to the other one. And and I, I think with this one, they were both equally compelling and I didn't mind where I was. I just wanted to, you know, I mean, it's a real, it is a real page turner, even though it's, we've said it sort of was quite slow and beautiful and lyrical. Um, I, I found it very, you know, I wanted to get back into it and keep reading and find out what happened. And I think that's actually, that's a rare skill, isn't it? Is to, to write a book that's that beautiful. Yeah. But is that easier read? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And also the pieces together the story. I mean, I think, as you said, right, we started with the countryside, you know, I think it pieces together a lot of the action in inverted commas around the, the marsh and the gulls and the way she lives. And I think that's just, beautifully structured book that draws a picture you could see it in your mind couldn't you could see this place and of course it makes you think of um how it would look on on the screen as well yes oh um, no so you, kathy you said they're making a film i found out um, i haven't found out a great deal about it but basically um reese witherspoon apparently um loved this book um so i read yesterday and shortly after it was written in in 2018 i think it was and um, she has her own production company mm. and she met Delia Owens and, and has got the production rights to it. And it's in what they call pre-production. I got the feeling, has anyone seen Reese Witherspoon in Wild? I haven't, but I, I know. And I assumed that she would want to be um, Kaya, but of course she's a bit older and she's blonde and you know she doesn't look the part. So they have um, cast apparently Daisy Edgar-Jones, as Kaya, and if if you don't know her, she is the lead in Normal People. If anybody saw that, yes. And she was the daughter in um, Cold Feet, one of the two twins in Cold Feet, uh, and I love her. And she's very um, um, what's the word? Waif like and gamine. Is that the word you yes. use? Um, and so, therefore, I think would be great. But it'll be interesting because, of course, she's British. I think oh, um, she's going to have to nail the accent. <laughs> 
Yeah. And a North Carolina accent is going to be interesting. Yeah, so so I'm looking forward to that. And Dila Owens is involved in the whole thing. You know, she's a production producer of it as well. So that's always important, isn't it? A writer has um, a book taken to screen, either small screen or, or large screen. So spoiler alert, let's talk about the end of the book. <laughs> so for me, this was 98% of a good book. <laughs> and when I got to the last chapter, I was like, what? <laughs> Did you guess? What are you doing? <laughs> Did everyone guess? What happens? Should we explain? We yeah, haven't actually yes, talked about we the plot. Yeah. We haven't talked about what happens in the story, in the plot yet. Yeah. You want to explain, Sean? Yeah, so there is this death. There's this mysterious death. He's fallen from a tower. And how on earth did that happen? So the climax that we get to is that she is arrested for his murder. And then there is the trial scene. Um, and there's there's a bit about her being incarcerated, which is, again, this kind of, you know, she can't cope with that. There's no way that she would be able to, to cope with that. And then there's this trial where there's just this preposterous theory about how she could have killed him laid yeah. out. And you all the way through the trial, I'm thinking, how did this even come to trial? There's no actual evidence at all. <laughs> apart from the fact Apart from he... the hat, the red hat. Oh, yes, the red hat. And he's found at the base of the tower in the middle of the marsh and he is not wearing the necklace. So he has a, a necklace with a shell on that she makes for him out of a shell he finds and a piece of uh, leather. And he wears it because he's in love with her underneath, you know, it doesn't show a lot of people. And he's not wearing the necklace, so the necklace is missing. But that could easily have been taken by a bird or more importantly, the tide, because he's in the marshes. That's the only twist. And they yeah. think she may have killed him, but there's no explanation as to how she could have done it or no realistic explanation. But the trial takes up quite a lot of the last third of the book. Mm. Um, yeah. And did, so did we believe she did it or not? I didn't. I thought it was a totally preposterous kind of yeah. scenario that she somehow goes to meet her editor. She comes back again on the bus, then goes back again on the bus all is a sort of big cover up for having killed him. And I just thought, well, this is just ridiculous. No, I, think, I think there's no way she killed him. I think, I mean, I think it was showing the prejudice and um, victimisation of people who just didn't like her and were suspicious. And then, absolutely. And then, and then you get to the bit at the very end, then, the last chapter, she has to tie up the story for absolutely everybody with absolutely everything that was that gone on it. in 20 years in, in one chapter. Well, and then so you get the bit is, where the necklace yeah. is found by Tate after she's died. And a yes. poem that's basically an admission of guilt. So throughout the book, she reads poetry from a um, lady with an initials AH, Amanda, Amanda Hamilton. Yeah. And she loves this poet who's a local poet and she reads it. Um, and the poems are beautiful because they're about the local environment. And so, as you say, the very last chapter, she's actually 64. So it's, it's gone, it takes us 40 years ahead. So it leaps ahead to the current day, basically. And she's found dead on her boat, which is a very poignant scene that she's had a heart attack or something. And Tate finds her and she has a funeral and he comes back and he, indeed he finds this loose floorboard by the fireplace and underneath it, he finds a box and in it is both all the poems written by the lady, Amanda Hamilton, in her hand, so it clearly tells us that Kaya was the poet and the necklace, and a poem 
that describes exactly what must have happened when he, she pushed Chase off the top of the tower. Do you want me to read the poem? Oh, go on then, go on, you've got it there. The poem he finds, and this is why he realises she must have done it, and it's called The Firefly, and we see a lot of fireflies in the, in the story. Luring him was as easy as flashing valentines, but like a lady firefly, they had a secret call to die. A final touch unfinished, the last step a trap. Down, down he falls, his eyes still holding mine, until they see another world. I saw them change, first a question, then an answer, finally an end, and love itself passing to whatever it was before it began. And so Tate reads this poem and he, make, he realizes that this is explaining that she um, killed Chase and he burns the poem so that there's no evidence and no one ever knows that he, she did the crime. Again, I mean, I'm with I'm with Sean, and I just I don't buy it really. I, I, that, that did kind of I just have in my head dismissed that last chapter, and I just don't think she. And I think and I found myself thinking, so was she just writing that poem, imagining how she might have killed him, but she didn't kill him? I mean, I, I don't. I still couldn't quite get my head on the fact that she'd actually done it, and that she. I, I don't know. It just didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I the, think the whole sort of basis in the trial of, of you know her. I, the bit I don't get is how does she suddenly turn into this criminal mastermind? To, and how did she lure him up there? None of this is explained. No. Well, to be honest, I love the ending. I thought it was really clever. I did not guess that she did it. As, I, as you say, I thought, you know, they were all being biased against this girl. Um, so, you know, she's only sort of um, 20 or something at this point. Um, and now I believe that, as the poem describes, he was probably being nasty to her. They were up in this, in this very high tower, this water tower in the, in the marsh, and she pushed him just a little push. She probably didn't need to, she was probably angry. She probably didn't need to kill him exactly. And then she saw him die. And then she leaves him to the marsh to sort of swallow him up, as it describes me from the beginning. I imagine the, the pushing him off the tower because he says he's not going to marry her. And then she goes and takes the necklace from his neck. And she is... Um, angry and upset and confused because this she'd given her all to this man and she thought she loved him. So I can understand completely how she did it and why she did it, because it's an easy thing to do. The actual covering it up, I think, was a little bit more far-fetched. And um, the fact that she was actually then jumped on a bus and went back to town, so she couldn't possibly have done it. Um, and actually used her boat to get round to uh, the harbour. Um, but I, I, I personally thought it was an excellent denouement. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, we're all going to have to disagree on that one. Then. <laughs> so what, what do we think about the name of the book, Where the Cruel Dads Sing? Um, because someone in my book club actually uh, looked it up. So I know the answer to this. Do, do you two know what a cruel dad is? I do know what a cruel dad is. And it is explained in the book, actually. Yeah. Um, okay. It's referenced in the book because uh, cruel dads are crayfish. Yeah. And, but the whole point is where the crawdads sing is you're so far out in the boondocks that even the crawdads sing there. I think that's I think that's explained somewhere in the book. Yes, but I, I didn't know what they what they look like. But yeah, absolutely. And do you want to hear what they sound like? Yes. Have you got a recording? Uh, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm going to try and play it now. Well, that's good, but that'll be a brilliant point to finish, actually. Really good ending. Oh, that's going to be an excellent ending. Oh, that's we'll... ending of the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
we're into another lockdown, so it seems like a good idea to wrap up with recommendations of what to read next. Fiona, what's on your reading list at the moment? Um, well, I've just read, and I'm a bit late to the party, so maybe people have already read it, but if they haven't, they absolutely need to, and I've read Hamnet. I mean, it's just, um, I haven't cried, genuinely cried, while reading a book for a long time, and I absolutely did. I, it's it's obviously, of its, even though it's a historical novel and set 400 years ago, it's of its time because it's about grief and a pandemic or plague, Um and it just makes you well it makes me look at Shakespeare in a whole different light and it's just wonderfully written and it's a book about motherhood and it's families and it's just absolutely wonderful I totally adored it so I would recommend everyone who hasn't read it to read it. I have to say it's on my list I was going to mention it I asked for it for Christmas didn't get it so I'll have to borrow yours Fiona and I definitely want to read it. Yeah, it's Happy, what, are you, what, are you, what are you recommending? Yeah. Okay so in terms of what I've actually read um at the moment I'm reading two books one is the autobiography of Judy Walters which I'm listening to on Audible and she read by herself so that's fantastic and if you're ever going to listen to any book somebody's autobiography read by themselves is a fantastic way to to read that which I don't normally do and I love that um I'm also reading a book called Away with the Penguins um by Hazel Pryor and it's a point have you read that anyone no, I've seen it. I've seen it. And I've seen it. And it pops up on my recommendations. It looks it looks lovely. It's, it's poignant. It's lovely. It's described as another Eleanor Elephant. It's through the eyes of an 85 year old lady and some flashbacks into her life in the war. Um, and she's a miserable old woman. I can imagine it's Maggie Smith, if you know what I mean. Uh, beautiful, beautifully written and, you know, really, really well observed. But I have also trying to read the uh, Booker Prize, both winners and um, shortlist. And I'd really recommend the book I've read, which is The New Wilderness. And it's set in a dystopian future when um, the world is sort of ruined by pollution and they allow a group of people to go into the wilderness and have a go at living alone as a group of 20. It's almost like an experiment and how they survive. Um, and it's a beautiful novel, very, very well written, shortlisted, but didn't win the Booker Prize. And it's got some similar themes in many ways to Crawdad's because it's you know in a it's trying to live in uh, in an american wilderness on your own could you could you survive mm. by you know shooting and not shooting but you know hunting and fishing and mm. um digging up food etc that's that's quite a nice diversity i am going classics i got a jane austen box set for christmas i think i think i'm gonna hunker down and i can't decide where to start it, do i start with pride and prejudice or do i start with persuasion I prefer Persuasion. <laughs> I think Persuasion's my favourite. Me too. I love them all. I've read them all. So, the one I don't think I've re I recall reading, and I, I think I have read it, but I don't, completely don't remember it at all, is Northanger Abbey. So maybe that's the one oh. to start with. Right. So Northanger Abbey was my O level book. So oh. I know it really well. And I read it obviously many, many times then. And it's the, my first ever Jane Austen because before my O levels, when I was 15, I hadn't read any, I don't think. And I'm not a literary, it wasn't a literary person. I was a uh, double maths and physics person at A-level. So in that summer between A-levels and university, um, I read and uh, I read the rest of the Jane Austen, having only read Northanger Abbey at that point. I, I didn't come to Jane Austen until I was in my, till I was at university and uh, a university friend was just completely horrified that I had not read any and sort of marched me to the library. <laughs> 
to, to borrow them. So, um, so yeah, I think I came to it quite late. But yeah, I'm going to look forward to revisiting those, I think. Let's wrap up there. Thanks again, Fiona and Cathy, for chatting today. It's always a joy. Join us next month on Book Club, where we'll be discussing Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with more great reads on Cotswolds Radio Book Club.